Okay. We're going to welcome everyone to episode 139 of Tell Me Where to Turn. You are joined by me at Tommy2 underscore zero on Twitter. You can find me at Glenn3 underscore 11. And you can find me at Point Break underscore Dave. Well, gentlemen, it has not been that long since we were all together. No, just a matter of a few days, in fact. That's right. We took the opportunity as a team to journey together as a show. I said a team, a show, to the Royal Rumble in Houston, which we will cover in some detail. I would say that this trip provided ample opportunity for show content. Yes, we journeyed together separately to Houston, Texas. A city that two-thirds of this show, I am not one of those two-thirds, wished natural disasters on and happened. <laughs> In recent history, not during, the, not during the past weekend. But for the most part, uh, I would say the at least the area that we saw looked like things were doing pretty well. Yeah, but Houston, definitely not the city that never sleeps. Apparently the city that... <laughs> mandates sleep around 11 o'clock at night by closing everything down that we wanted to go to. Yeah, that is a, that is a little bit perplexing being the modern metropolis that it is, but at least they are showing episodes of live PD. They don't cut off the TV. That saved us one night. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say one of the utilities, the hotel didn't turn off. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that. Oh, yes. We we will get to all of that. Do you guys see what I have here? Is that a uh, is that a Gin Ricky? It's a nice Gin Ricky. So many of those were consumed over the course of 48 hours. So did you squeeze your own lime juice for that particular drink, or did you buy the pre-squeezed juice? Does it count if it's in a plastic bottle that looks like a lime? <laughs> <laughs> Feels that like, was going to uh, be my guess. Glenn might have also picked up what we like to call a little bit of a cough between the end of the trip and now. Is everything okay over there for you? Yeah, I have possible coronavirus. <laughs> you know, we were in an airport. Well, actually, I take that I back. You, you gentlemen were not in an airport. We were in a large gathering where the international population was well represented. Uh-oh. Kabuki Warriors? I was going to say... <laughs> Kari Zane, those people cheering for Kari Zane didn't just get there not by airplane, if you know what I'm saying. So, should we begin? Saturday arrival? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess we set the stage. It was it was the three of us, and son of Tommy was with us. That's right. Now, originally it was planned that the fake Paul Bearer would be attending this trip, although he became what I like to call unable to attend. That is correct. He was misplaced the urn and was looking everywhere for it and was unable to attend. So uh, the original plan was he and I were going to ride down in the luxury of Vaughn Lane there and back. Is that true? Uh, yes. You were you were gonna forego driving your rented vehicle and take a Vaughn lane? 
Well, if it was if if both of us were going down there, but then it became just me. So instead of going in Vaughn Lane, I had my truck almost stolen and then drove a rented vehicle down to Houston on uh, leaving out Saturday morning, just raring to go. Me, me and Dave had our departure times. I thought pretty well docked. We were going to get there at exactly the same time, and uh, we were still only like twenty minutes apart. Yeah, it's hard to get there at exactly the same time, <clears throat> and in a more shocking than any Royal Rumble return, Glenn was the first one to show up, unlike every episode of this podcast. <laughs> Very true. So I, I hung out at the uh, Cambria Hotel, ah, yes. which pro- provided our accommodations for the weekend. Uh, quick, hung out for quick about sidebar on the Cambria. Okay. I got invited to an after work function next Tuesday, and it was billed as a cocktail reception. At the Nashville Cambria Hotel. So, so I now know what Nashville not to order. Cambria. You will see them next Tuesday. Which doesn't quite work, but... Not, it actually doesn't work at all, but I, I appreciate not, what you tried to quite. do there. I'm going to instruct the bartenders there how to construct a gin ricky. They so will I showed, know. Up, I showed up there... Uh, in Houston, outfitted in my, uh, as we coordinated our Undisputed Era t-shirts, and uh, hanging out in the lobby, and then had the what I thought was going to be a big pop right from the beginning of the trip, as I thought for a split second, Angelo Dawkins of the Street Profits had walked <laughs> into the lobby. Turns out it was not Angelo Dawkins. <laughs> it was kind of Angelo Dawkins, but as I thought about it, you know, when you... Uh, when you use some sort of, uh, uh, I'm forgetting the emoji uh, or some such on your phone, you need a thumbs up, and you're trying to choose which thumb to choose. <laughs> like this one was about two to three from the far right. It wasn't all <laughs> the way to the far right, so it wasn't quite Angelo Dawkins. I'm with you. I'm with you. So that was, you know, but then Dave showed up. So then we're back on board. We're, we're, we're back on track. Half Meanwhile, the Undisputed Era is in attendance. Meanwhile, in Nashville, Southwest Airlines, I like to pride myself in my status with South, Southwest Airlines. I've been known to be A-list. That's how things roll around here these days. Standing in line for the plane and uh, immediately noticed several wrestling t-shirts around me, so the contingent from Nashville was was in full force traveling to the Royal Rumble. Struck up the conversation with a gentleman behind me who let me know, leaned in to let me know, I've got a Ric Flair robe in my carry-on bag that I will be putting on as soon as this plane lands. Well done. So but my son and I in our matching Undisputed Era outfits, huge, huge crowd reactions in the airport. Everywhere we went. Lots it is a good look when Tommy and Mini Tommy are walking along like a tag team. We got on the flight to realize that the majority of the front section of the plane was occupied with country music artists going to do a country music heritage cruise sailing out of Galveston. 
Normally, this wouldn't bother me, except every overhead bin in the plane was already full of guitar by the time I got on, and I was in A24 position. Well, I feel like the term country music heritage is sending you down a, a path that you probably don't want to go. Well, it was actually kind of funny how that worked out. So didn't uh, have any interaction with country music fans until probably about 75% of the way through the flight. And then smaller version of traveling party needed to relieve himself, walked up the aisle and then walked back. Well, when he walked back, I noticed country music artist sitting directly across the aisle from me has his hand extended in a fist bump for my son due to his undisputed error shirt, which he obliged and then leaned over to me and was like, are you guys going to NXT Worlds Collide tonight? And I was like, well, as a matter of fact, we are. And then he said, oh, if I didn't have to get on this cruise ship, I would be there too. And then gave me his business card and invited me to a local Nashville wrestling promotion that he's affiliated with. You have to go. Well, what he told me was not appropriate for age under age 18. Oh, hey, you have to go. <laughs> Then started telling me several of the storylines they have working. Turns out this guy, in and I don't say this lightly, clearly a bigger wrestling fan than I am. Went into great detail about every match on the card tonight. Incredible working knowledge of NXT, but also AEW. Started making references to New Japan pro wrestling that went completely over my head. Showed me that he was wearing New Japan Pro Wrestling sandals on the plane. And this guy's mm-hmm. going to the Country Music Heritage Fest. And I looked the guy up on Spotify and fairly legit. I mean, by no means a superstar. I mean, let's be honest. He's going on the Country Music Hall of Fame uh, Heritage, Heritage. But he did have a uh, Spotify presence where he had songs with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of plays. So... Not a uh, not a total spare. Do you, do you have this young man's name? I do. In fact, uh, I have his name and I have his likeness saved right here directly in my phone. So if you would like to uh, go on Spotify and look up the fine work of one Joshua Headley, H-E-D-L-E-Y. His All right. most popular title is named Mr. Jukebox with 725,000 plays. It's pretty good. Does he have any... Uh songs about you know wrestle kingdom 12 in the tokyo dome or anything yeah, eight stars in the tokyo dome another <laughs> another prolific hit uh he let it be known though that he thought that and we will as we get to the show we will cover this that he was very disappointed but had it on good authority that brock was going to win the rumble from the number one position or be thrown out by a shocking return of tito ortiz Wow. And I don't well, want to ruin the whole show, but neither of those claims. things came anywhere close to happening. Uh, no. He was way off. But listen to him on Spotify. We yeah. we recommend. We Shout out to Joshua Headley. We land in Houston, uneventful flight, other than that. And what do you know? There's a luxury vehicle with three letters waiting to pick us up. Yeah. With a gun in the glove compartment. Yeah, and I did not ready call to go. Uber Black. I called Angelo Dawkins. No, uh, Point Break underscore Dave. And that's what 
a teammate in the in the faction does make sure the whole crew gets to the hotel in time. So, so we about, got back. About and now then it's it was about, time. <laughs> it's about three o'clock, and I am perplexed at why Dave's not already at the arena for the show that starts four <laughs> hours later. <laughs> but it was time for food. Indeed. So we had to make one of our multiple trips to Biggio's <laughs> sports bar, <laughs> which became the place to eat. Because why wouldn't we choose to do our exclusive eating at a restaurant named for former Houston Astros great Craig Biggio? Hey, not bad, though. Pretty good little menu. Yeah, and slightly skipping ahead in the story, will now forever be etched in our minds as the place we were when we found out. Yeah, that is true. We'll, uh, we'll get to that. So um, should we go straight to Worlds Collide? Yeah, so hotel, walking distance from the arena. We never had to worry about parking or car transportation. As we're walking from BGOs to the arena, we walk through the valet area of a very prominent hotel to find out that the Crohn's and Colitis <laughs> Association is having their <laughs> annual meeting there. And that's where we lost Glenn 3 underscore 11 for the rest of the night. He never actually made it to Worlds Collide. I had, uh, as the keynote speaker for the uh, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, I had to uh, stop off at the the dinner there and met up with you guys later, you know, towards the end of the show. I had to wear the Undisputed Era under my tux, but it all worked out. I caught the first slide of Glenn's presentation, and it just said, me versus colitis, how I kicked out on two. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the NXT show. So we're on the floor. Yeah. Eight it, rows, eight yeah. rows from the ring. And ramp. I don't remember who was responsible for the tickets. I believe this was a Dave orchestration, but it was a superb this, job. Yes. I, I procured the Rumble tickets. Dave got the NXT, and Dave has taken care of essentially everything for the WrestleMania trip that's all booked. So what I do, gentlemen. Lots of props to him. And not only were we in the eighth row, we were only two seats away from the entrance ramp, meaning that whenever a superstar was making his way to the ring, it was very easy for my son to just very quickly rise from his seat and be right along the entrance rail looking for the classic baby face high five on the way to the ring. He spent like half the night there, too, which is great. I mean, he should. Yeah, because we didn't want to have to hang out with him, let's be honest. No, we, he spent half the night on the rail giving high fives to various uh, performers that were on the card, and the other half <laughs> knocking over all the drinks you had purchased for him at the concession <laughs> stand. There is not like, much more defeating than having to fight your way through a crowd, get to a concession stand, and then immediately have a $8 can of Sierra Mist be completely knocked over on the floor. But that's what happened. So, and that happened, and it happened the way it spilled was like, I guess you would say, just like horizontally. So we got the effects of all of it. None of it ran forward into the <laughs> row in front of us. It was all on ours. And then the guy that was sitting next, sitting next to me had like a 12-year-old, and they kicked over their drink like back towards <laughs> yep. me. And I could tell, like, we we were all were essentially, you know, I don't know how deep it was, but 
everybody needed to like wash their shoes afterwards because of all the water damage. And I could tell the locals, the locals were looking at our row and kind of having like Vietnam flashbacks <laughs> as, the, as the water began to rise higher and higher from all the spills. Not again. No. I mean, I was, I was fully prepared that trip to have to just clean six, a lot of sticky substances, but I was really hoping it would have more to do with the Kabuki Warriors than spilled Sprite all over the floor. Wasn't Sierra wasn't the type of <laughs> mist that you were thinking about? <laughs> that could be early contender for line of the decade. But and <clears throat> Mini Tommy did get a high five from Johnny Gargano. That's right. And made his way, was visible from the TV screens several times, including trying to take a swipe at Alexander Wolf on his mm. way to the ring about 90 seconds before his life was almost ended. Yeah, we did see one wrestler knocked completely unconscious yes. after getting kicked in the chin. Get kicked square in the chin and go lights out, full concussion protocol. Yeah, yeah I've, I've never seen one of the refs react like that. Like he was like in EMS mode. They drug him out of there. Yeah. Can show and then you, the match went show on. you how quickly things can turn in situations like that. Speaking of a turn, there was a turn in the crowd. Yes, there was. Point oh. Break Dave executed probably not since the days of the the Halcyon days of the NWO and WCW. As we all walk in the arena, getting great adulation in our matching Undisputed Era shirts, as the match is beginning, Point Break Dave takes off his outer shirt to reveal an undershirt of the evil heel faction from overseas, Imperium, <laughs> turning also, against his brothers right yeah. as the match starts. So he takes off. He's got two shirts on. He gets our attention. He's like, check this out. Then he takes the outer layer off to reveal the Imperium shirt. And in our shock and awe, he immediately grabs us both and choke slams us into the ninth row. <laughs> and then the match went on. I kind of got kind of a Nazi vibe from Imperium, but just yeah, they were just they're slightly, pretty awesome too. Just slightly. The fringe benefit for Dave as the only person in the entire arena with an Imperium shirt on is as we were making our way to the exits when the show was over. Dave receiving lots of congratulations on the stunning upset victory for Imperium that night. Including a man outside the arena, blocks from the arena, saying, hey, nice win tonight. (laughs) As if I contributed. Anything whatsoever. But going back to the show, there was certainly two standout matches. The main event, Undisputed Era against Imperium, and then the tag match of DIY versus my favorite new tag team from the UK, Mustache Mountain. <laughs> Big strong boy. That's right. Well, they had... That, that was a bit that actually paid off. When they first started showing the promos for that, I was like, maybe this is the time that I go get a drink so I can <laughs> knock it over. And that ended up ended up especially about the last seven to ten minutes of that match ended up just being absolute bedlam of near falls, wild action all over the ring. 
a, a moment that we learned from the next match the crowd was not going to be able to quickly recover from. Indeed. Because Rhea Ripley did not exactly tear the house down. <laughs> no. Now, during that match with Tony Storm, I don't remember a lot of it because I was distracted by all the evil thoughts I had was going through my mind. <laughs> Do you care to elaborate on those? Uh, not in this forum. I would not. Not in a faith-based podcast. I, I, would, I would not. Overall, it was a, a high-energy show. It was a good show. We made our way back to the hotel bar that night because our hope was, much like our experience in Phoenix, that if we spent enough time in the hotel bar, surely WWE superstars would soon materialize. They would find us. The first red flag of the night that something may not quite be going right at the hotel was when Point Break Dave ordered his gin Ricky and the bartender said he would look it up on Google to see how to make it. Indeed. I have not run into that before. I've never ordered that and not had them know what it was. Well, the, the first part was just the question marks that formed over his head. And then he was basically, I mean... Jen's in the title, so he's like, "Well, I've got part of it down." <laughs> but he he said he would take care of it. He would he would figure it out. And then he came back and, and you know and made it exactly what you're supposed to. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I just looked it up on Google. You know, no big deal, <laughs> no problem." This is what I do for a living. But let me just let me just it'd be oh. like if if you took your your uh, truck to the auto repair sp- store and the guy said, "Look, I I watched a YouTube video about how to replace the steering column. There's no problem. Yeah, we got this." <laughs> and then. And then I oh I ordered an old fashioned the first one which I would challenge whether it had really any alcohol content in it whatsoever. <laughs> so then when I asked for another one, I was like, sure, I would like another one, and make it as strong as humanly and legally possible. And he actually I didn't expect him to take that well, but he kind of he was okay with that. And did he oblige? That's the real he, question. Yeah, he did, and that was good. And then. Uh, then it was time to get a little food. Get a little hungry after watching NXT. You need a little food action. Right. And let's set the scene here. This bar restaurant area is 20% full. If that. Uh, yeah, there's like three or four tables. We're on the, like the couch or whatever, but there's like three tables near the bar that people are sitting at. They were most likely at the show we were at. <clears throat> so yeah, so it's time for food. And then we start the trend for the whole weekend. <laughs> Houston doesn't have stuff. So I order a <laughs> burger and I'm you know, I'm trying to live forever. I'm trying not to fall over at like age forty four, so we're not going with fries. So I'm like, hey, uh yeah, I'll get the burger, which is not healthy, I realize that. But uh, <laughs> I was gonna say this is not a strong start to your healthy statement here. <coughs> It looks like uh, fruit is a possible side. So can I get some of that fresh fruit? Oh, man, sorry. We're out. We don't have any. All right. So we'll replace it with something else and enjoy a very fine meal. The food was good. Then uh, and then after that, we want to, I think, Tommy and son of Tommy headed, headed back up because it was uh, past bedtime. Yeah, we... Uh 
we were pretty fast and loose with bedtime on this trip, but there is oh, a point yeah. when, and this is actually pretty funny because he is certainly one of those children that constantly fights bedtime. Whenever it's bedtime, it's always, hey, look, give me 10 more minutes. Give me 10 more minutes. He was so excited to be in that bar and so excited to be hanging out with you guys and, and hanging out that we're just, we're having a good time. We're talking. And he looks at me at one point and it's like, I think we need to go. And I was like, <laughs> really? And he's like, yeah, I think I need to go to bed. And I kid you not, within three minutes of being in the room, that child was fast asleep, just yeah. passed out. So y'all left, and then uh, waiter comes back. Dave, does he want another one? He's like, yeah, I'll have another one. Do I want another one? I was like, you know what? I'm going to get something different. I'm going to try the try the Moscow Mule. <laughs> He kind of looks at me with that same look that he gave me about the fruit. And he's like, oh, man, we're out of ginger beer, <laughs> which I responded with, well, dadgum, pal, you're a bar. How do you not have alcohol? And he's like, man, we've had a lot of parties here, and nobody's had time to order more you know, beer or liquor, and I haven't even had time. And, of course, we're thinking, why are you the one even ordering it? So I don't even remember what I got. I got something else. But they're already out of materials at the bar, and they are a bar. And mind you, this is Saturday night. So were all the parties they were hosting the always common mid-January during the week party? <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not buying that. We we did have the weird before it was I can't remember if this was the first night or second night. It had to be the first night. The weird observation where we're all still down there, where we saw the couple that had just got married. Oh, yeah. And they were oh, checking yes. in and they were holding cumulatively like eight to go boxes. You didn't even want to know what was going to be going on in that room later. <laughs> I just can't even fathom it. I, I don't think I've ever seen a bride in full gown, wedding dress, holding to-go boxes. I don't think that's ever been seen before. Like five of them oh, stacked yeah, the, on top of the one another. The quantity was as humorous as just this scene in, in general. So they've, they've run out of a few things, but you know, one thing we know from past history that Houston's got plenty of. In fact, sometimes they have too much of. <laughs> There's no way they're going to run out of that, right? I wake up the next morning... Because obviously with this crew, we all know I'm going to be the first one up. So I wake up, sharing a room with my tag team partner for the trip, which was Glenn. Uh, Being courteous to him, I grab the laptop, get my headphones, going to go down to the bar area, hang out, get my uh, Royal Rumble DraftKings lineup all set, make some bets. And when I walk over to the door, I see a piece of paper slid under the door. And my first thought is, we're not checking out today. This is weird. Pick it up. A very curt, few sentence typed out on letterhead. We will be shutting off all water to the hotel between noon and 5 p.m. And... They were not willing to offer up anything as some sort of compensation or uh, good favor. You're not going to have water in your in the hotel in its entirety, but no free drink tickets or 
Nothing, nothing yeah, of that sort. No complimentary no, breakfast. I, as I was down in the the lobby, I was treated to between six and ten different people come down after waking up to receive the same letter and voicing their displeasure and some just uh, waiting for some sort of amends to be made, others suggesting, you know, free breakfast, discounted room rate, free valet, which I thought was a a good one because the valet was like $35 a day at this hotel. Seems like one they could easily uh, comp you. The hotel manager had the very odd, besides no selling all the requests and not doing anything for them, the odd point of, hey, listen, uh, you know, having the water shut off is just as rough on us as it is you. <laughs> and I kept waiting for someone to make the obvious point of, well, one of us is paying to be here and the other one is getting paid to be here. Oh. So head to head out to breakfast. That's Not right. have breakfast and, there. And what better idea than ask the very disinterested valet on where we should go for breakfast because nobody knows breakfast better than the highly disinterested valet. He gave us a great recommendation, though. He did give us a good recommendation, but the unstable name of the restaurant was just... We we couldn't get past it. I can't remember what it was. It was named after a person that we all three know (laughs) who... Maybe used to play third base. Oh, yeah. Okay. For our softball team before he was murdered by the police. Yeah, which ironically, they were in full force at the cafe in case he really was a cook. Yeah, so we had cooked up this entire... So we did drive to this establishment. It was a few miles away. So Harry's Cafe, and we had cooked up... we We were having such a good time in the car, and we had cooked up this whole scenario where Harry actually didn't die... Uh, he just was gone. He went off the grid and went into went down to Houston to start his own restaurant. And we had all these scenarios of him back in the kitchen wearing an apron, barking and making guttural noises at the waiters like he used to do at the umpires. And we were we were just having a good time at his expense. May he rest wearing in peace. Grease stained softball jersey from our team. Right, just trying to trying to just restart his life in Houston, but not quite ready to let go of his historic softball career in Plano. Well, I'll be darned if we don't walk in that restaurant and there's more police in there eating breakfast than I've ever experienced in any establishment I've been in. There was two tables of police in this restaurant. Yeah. Well, the other odd thing was... And that's when we knew it couldn't have been Harry's restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) The night before, I fell asleep to Glenn... Watching live PD, which went many hours after I was asleep, and then I woke up to an even larger police presence. <laughs> and so, as we're making our way through uh, through the meal, the uh, uh, absence of fruit at our other location was still being discussed. So then Tommy gets burned by his own bit. Yeah, he's just doing a bit asking the waitress if they have any fruit there, which she just takes as. He's ordering it. <laughs> I got burned by the language barrier. There's no question about that. And I've, 
I'm more experienced and more seasoned than to fall for this. But yeah, when you were ordering your meal, I believe you had the option of fruit or toast or whatever it was, and you opted for fruit. And then she went all the way around the horn, took everybody's order. And then when it was done, I asked her, I said, hey, uh, just one more question about the menu. Do you guys actually have fruit here? (laughs) And she kind of makes this difficult to discern, like, oh, yeah, we have fruit, and walked away. And I was like, I probably just ordered a $7 plate of fruit by just trying to get a laugh, trying to pop the other guys. And instead, I think I just ordered a plate of fruit. And then laughing harder when they brought out this (laughs) mini barrel of fruit that you paid for and I ate. (laughs) It's very, yeah, very funny how the world turns. But while we were enjoying this meal, Point Break Dave is still obsessing over his DraftKings lineup. And then he starts venturing down the road of actually placing wagers on the Royal Rumble. And he's looking at the odds and he's going, hmm, these odds on Drew McIntyre, they look pretty good. I'm going to see if I can make a bet here. So I, uh, this is a website that rhymes with Grovada. And I uh, make a bet. And they're leery of any... Not even really that sizable of a bet. I tried to put $150 on Drew McIntyre to win. And I believe he was plus 300 or somewhere around there. Which and for those of you who don't it know, basically up. means you're getting 3 to 1 on your money. Correct. And it pops up. Wager under review, which I had not seen before. Because obviously, you know, I'm not putting tens of thousands of dollars on the line on NBA games. But yeah. Two minutes later, it posted. And I had 150 riding on Drew McIntyre. So you're locked in. And I believe you did the same thing for the queen, Charlotte Flair. I did. Her odds weren't quite as good. Or no, actually, they were the same. I just put 50 on Charlotte. So so now we've... We've been to Harry's Cafe. We've paid our respects to Harry. We've said uh, thank you to those that serve and protect. <laughs> and we've got $200 in live action on the Royal Rumble. Right. And if uh, anyone listened all the way through last episode, I believe when we made our predictions, I said I liked McIntyre and Charlotte. So I, uh, as they say, put my money where my mouth was. That's right. Now, at this point, it's still fairly early in the morning. It's probably before 11 o'clock for sure. It's probably in the 10 o'clock range. And as we know, one thing we know about Point Break Dave is he can't go more than 12 hours without working out. Dead gum. So his his attention quickly focuses to finding the nearest lifetime fitness because he also doesn't work out in places that don't have $400 a month dues. And he's got one guest pass that he can take with him. And Tommy doesn't work out on vacation. He barely works out when he's not on vacation. But Glenn was in. Yeah. So Glenn and Dave, they're off to, uh, they're off to work out and Tommy and son are off to explore the city of Houston. What did you guys do? Well, we did what any normal person would do. We walked straight back to where Biggio's was. (laughs) Because we didn't really know anywhere else to go. Well, adjacent to Biggio's, they had constructed an outdoor skating rink. 
And much like the water debacle at our hotel, it was about 70 degrees this day and the sun is out. So we go up and I'm trying to sweet talk the lady a little bit. And I'm like, hey, uh, you know, how much does it cost to ice skate? And she's like, well, it'll be $15 a person. So it's a $30 charge to ice skate for one hour and 15 minutes. Oh, that's not bad. So I'm, I'm in this for 30 bucks. Well, then she says, but I got to warn you, the sun's out and it's been really hot the last few days. So the ice is in really bad condition. There's some holes there and it's not completely frozen. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Well, what kind of discount are you offering for the poor ice conditions? And boy, you want to talk about somebody no-selling it. She was like, we do not offer refunds. We do not offer discounts. She was all business. Did you interject that having an outdoor ice rink when it's 70 degrees may, may bring flood number two? <laughs> I don't think they're up for that kind of humor. Might have been too soon for that. Now, the ice itself was was not as bad as she had sold. It was passable, and I, uh, I do have a, a past history of being a fairly proficient ice skater, but the added layer of danger that was added is if you fell down, it would have been akin to just jumping into a small swimming pool. So you're, you, if you go down on this ice, you are getting soaked. There's, there, it's not just like, oh, ha-ha, I slid across the ice and stood up and brushed some snow and ice chips off of me. You're, you're now soaked. I made no it injuries through, sustained, though, right? What's that? No injuries sustained? No, but I made it through one hour and five minutes of my one hour and 15-minute time period upright and then flew a little too close to the sun. Got a little <laughs> cocky with my edges that I was catching, put my skate into uh, one of the aforementioned holes that was not marked, and I went down, gentlemen. And I walked around the rest of that afternoon until we changed clothes with soaked, wet jeans. Man. Tough one. But it sounds like things might have gone better for me than they did for Glenn's triceps. So to report back, this workout occurred on Sunday morning. It is now Thursday night, and finally the triceps are not sore anymore. I was put through... I was, I was put through a... I believe this was like a, a Navy SEAL military style workout by point break dave and just demanding too like rest times were everything was timed out we had to be done in exactly an hour like no more no less one because that's what the workout outlines two because that was just enough time to get out of there drive back to the hotel and have time to take a shower before they turned the water off on us which is not a obstacle we thought we'd have to dodge when paying for a upscale hotel room. Um, the other odd thing we ran into at the gym, so got through the workout, which as Glenn mentioned was definitely, this is a tippy top, top of the card workout. This is not a, uh, you're not in the conga line with no way Jose on this workout. <laughs> no, so, not at all. This is this is like Lesnar Orton. Exactly. We we get out of the gym and I had a hard time navigating on the way in because it's part of a parking garage where you have to park that there's no clear signage pointing you which way to the gym and we chose the wrong way and ended up in some sort of church lobby. <laughs> 
which they immediately knew <laughs> we were not there for that. Well, they might have thought you were there for the power team exhibition. You never know. <laughs> no, we saw a security guy, and without even asking him a question, he immediately just pointed up for us to walk up the stairs because he knew where we needed to walk to. But on the way out, we didn't pay attention to you know, which part of the garage we were in, whether it was the east or the west wing. So we ended up on the right level, but we were parked in the west part of the garage and walking in the east. So we had our own little Seinfeld moment for a good 10 minutes or so. As we're passing people dressed for church and Glenn and I are full Fat Arm Friday apparel. Good times. But we made it back. Um, we discussed on the drive home what the uh, if time was in a crunch. Do we just uh, jump in there together? <laughs> Have your own episode of Naked and Afraid right there in the hotel. <laughs> but thankfully, but, we we had enough time, and uh, I don't think they ever actually shut the water off during the course of the day. I mean, while we were there, it was on the whole time. Yeah, they said it was shut off sometime between like 12.30 and 1.30. Okay. We were long gone by them because we had to get back over to Biggio's. <laughs> well, and in our defense, we wanted to walk down by the stadium and find an, another place to eat, but apparently they didn't bother to put in restaurants anywhere near the Minute Maid Park, which <clears throat> Houston having odd zoning issues, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't sound like Houston at all. No. <laughs> That's not, that's not in the normal playbook. There was one restaurant that was called, I believe, like the Home Plate Grill. And red flag number one, they have the front doors propped open on a warm day. And we walk in there, and it's the, the air conditioner is clearly not working. And we sit down at a table, and then you start to catch the smell of what uh, can only be described as raw sewage. <laughs> that and the complete absence of any waiters... Uh, and lots of people sitting around and no food anywhere in sight. After about three minutes, Point Break Dave's like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work for me, brother. <laughs> and then Glenn's very quick to offer, well, hey, I think Biggio's is only a couple of blocks away. Which is correct. And what do you know? Five, five, five minutes or less later, we are sitting in the warm, nurturing confines, or the cool, nurturing confines of Biggio's, uh, going for round two of Biggio's Queso. Let's be honest, other than the uh, creative team meeting in Houston that booked that Royal Rumble, the second best decision made in Houston was us leaving that restaurant. There is yeah, no doubt, because if we had stayed there, one of us would still be there just now getting over <laughs> diarrhea enough to be able to board a plane or, or a vehicle to get home. There's no question about it. So we're back at Biggio's, and we're riding high. We've got chips and queso. Things couldn't I mean, be going any better at this point. The vibes are positive. The weather's great. We're we're we've worked out. We're we're showered off after workout or dried off after falling into the to the ice rink. Oh, I had to shower that rancid ice water off too. Believe me, it yeah. smelled terrible. And then, what are the odds? If you'd have told me before we went, the thing that was going to kill the entire vibe of the trip, at least for a moment, was Kobe Bryant would have been one of the last things I would have ever guessed. That would have been on the aforementioned website that Point Break Dave mentioned. That would have been 
like plus 10,000 odds. We could have made Oh, a, at least. Could have made a pretty sizable bet on that one. But we're sitting there getting ready to enjoy a nice lunch. All of a sudden I get a couple of texts and uh, start doing a little research and then I reveal a TMZ screenshot to you guys that says Kobe Bryant is dead. Dead at the age of 41? Yeah, 41. Odd thing was, obviously, lots of sports on TV. We yes. sat there and watched ESPN, The Crawl, waiting for yeah, the Pro Bowl. a break into the Pro Bowl, and nothing for hours, it seemed like. I don't think at that point, it was it, that was the Pro Bowl pregame. That wasn't mm-hmm. even the game itself. Because we got to that later when we were had a little more time after lunch to uh, time to kill before we went to the ballpark. We're watching the Pro Bowl in our room, and they've got Tess and Bug doing the play-by-play. <laughs> and then it was a very Norm Texas Tech field goal moment as oh yeah as Tessator is giving like this tribute to Kobe Bryant, what a great athlete he was, and like in mid sentence, and he's like, oh, and there's Keenan Allen with a great catch. <laughs> but <laughs> it yes, was. indeed. Kobe Bryant, one so of the bad. one of the greats, gone too soon. So tying this story into our general love of sports betting, did either of you hear what Jake Kemp of thirteen ten the ticket did in the betting world that I can't believe we didn't think of? I did not hear this, but does it have to do with Gatorade? No, it has to do with him observing the two early NBA games on the day of Kobe's passing and observing that both teams did the 24-second violation to start the game and then the eight-second backcourt violation, he parlayed all five night games to all go under and hit the parlay. But he only had like 10 bucks on it. Yeah. Ten to That's win one thirty-five, which isn't a bad hit. Well, yeah. But how did we not think of this? Because you've got two well, things in play. You've got a disinterested people that don't necessarily want to be there that are going to probably not put forth as big of an effort, and uh, pre-planned memoriams to Kobe that require you know eating time off the clock with no scoring taking place. No, that was a smart bet. Um, I can't believe we didn't think of that. But <clears throat> what I was going to say is, you guys want to tip for fun Super Bowl props? Sure, why not? You bet that Gatorade's going to be purple. Okay. Rumor is the NFL is going to do purple Gatorade for both teams as a tribute to Kobe. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Huh. All so, right. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to pause the show and call my bookie immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so we leave BGOs, and now it's time for the main event. Oh, we're getting ready. It's time. We head back. I get the, uh, had the McIntyre t shirt on. It's time to slowly. Slowly don the Daniel Bryan maroon hoodie, get it zipped up and hood on, and we're ready to go. We are on our way to Minute Maid Park, gentlemen. 
And it would have been really nice if Minute Maid Park would have realized that a bunch of wrestling fans were on the way to it. <laughs> it would have made the yeah. whole evening even more special. They were totally surprised, just but, caught off guard. Yeah, apparently nobody bothered to inform the uh, catering and facilities staff that they were about to experience a capacity crowd that evening. Just shameful. What all did they run out of that you were trying to order? <laughs> well, what we, what we began to notice pretty quickly is that, and, and I don't know because I haven't been there for a baseball game, but the venue seemed to be woefully under-bathroomed. Yes. To the point where the bathrooms were being overwhelmed by the amount of traffic and lines stretching way down the concourse, people trying to enter on both sides of the bathroom, every stall out of toilet paper, just complete bedlam to the point where during the event, my son and I had missed an entire match just waiting in line for the bathroom and never actually got into the bathroom. We had to bail out because we couldn't miss the Daniel Bryan fiend entrance and then go back and get back in line to use the restroom. It was unbelievable. Not to mention the fact that the most concession stands ran out of food. They have a concept concession stand that just so happened to be the one right outside our seats where you have a touchscreen kiosk that you place your order, pay by credit card, get a number, and then walk up and receive your food at the, uh, at the counter so you're not having to do any kind of cash transaction or talk to anyone. So I go up to the kiosk, and there's a guy standing there with a security or a security tag for the venue saying, hey, don't use any of these machines. We're out of every bit of food except for Cracker Jacks. <laughs> and then uh, not only that, of the six kiosks, five of them, the receipt that you got your number printed on was out of paper and couldn't be refilled, so there was only one that was functioning to buy your Cracker Jacks. <laughs> Oh, I walked further down and got a tub of popcorn and I asked the lady if I could get a handful of napkins and she said, oh, we've been out of napkins for 30 minutes. We're sorry. They also ran out of souvenir cups, which led me to an odd interaction with a gentleman who saw me walking with my souvenir cup and said, man, you're lucky, kind of gesturing towards that. I was like, oh, did they run out? And he's like, yeah, I mean, there's... 42,000 people here. I was about to be like, I bet they could make 42,000 cups. But I was just like, yeah, man, you're right. Like, there's no chance. Yeah, luck of the draw. I mean, who, who knows? It's crazy. I, I'm surprised they didn't run out of Coke uh, or Diet Coke <laughs> or whatever they put in the cups. I will say this, though, as someone who'd never been to Minute Maid, because I avoid Houston like the plague, um, they had a Torchies concession stand, and as you know, Torchies queso is very high on my list. So a Torchies concession stand that only sold one kind of taco. They did. They were very limited on tacos. They only <laughs> sold the beef fajita and the pork green chili were the only two. But watching wrestling with Torchies queso is something I do most every Monday night here. But doing it live was a nice treat. I bet they ran out of tacos before they ca- they counted to three when she- when Seamus pinned Shorty G. They were already out. Like when you were walking back toward us, they'd already run out. The bathroom thing was ridiculous, and I didn't miss any matches, but it was all I could do. As soon as the Bailey-Lacey Evans match was over, as soon as they counted to three, I took off upstairs 
to the bathroom and waited in line as I'm hearing all the Daniel Bryan fiend promos and just, just praying that there's some sort of just few minute intermission here and got out of there and sprinted back as fast as I could currently through the corridor to our section and down the steps to, I, I think I hit Dave's shoulder right when Daniel's Daniel Bryant's music kicked in. It was all I could do to get back. Yes. And our seats were pretty good. We learned our lesson last year with the baseball stadium wrestling venue being on the floor towards the back is actually not a very optimal viewing angle. So we opted this year to even go a little further back, but be kind of middle middle of the, of the uh, section in the 100 level, right near the entrance ramp, which proved to be a great angle for viewing because not only could we see the ring, we had full view of all the different screen options and could look directly to our left and be very close to the wrestlers entering the ring, which was uh, uh, much improved over where we were last year at Chase Field. Absolutely. I mean, short of, you know, paying several thousand a seat to be in the first five rows, I think our seats are about as good as you could have got. Yeah. No, sight lines were great. I, there were a few times, you know, you had to watch the screen when they went out of the ring on the opposite side. But outside of that, you didn't really need them if you didn't want to watch it on big TV. Absolutely. The event itself was very well done. The, um, every, every match had, had its high points. Pacing was well. The, the order they structured the matches was phenomenal. The men's Royal Rumble itself was booked so well. We we all stood the entire hour-long match. The crowd was that into it. The way that they paced it, exceptional. When Drew McIntyre entered the match about halfway through and eliminated Brock Lesnar and the crowd just ignited, I, I don't think it ever cooled down after that. No, and uh, it was really cool how they did it because I thought, and we talked about last week, like with Lesnar, he starts number one. I really thought either he's going to go out really early or he's going to make it until the last four or five guys. But they did it exactly opposite of what I thought because I didn't think it would work. But they essentially knocked him out right in the middle. Right. And you, know, and you bet you like half of it was the story with him. And then the second half was like it's just a whole different rumble with just 15, 15 guys. It's just their show. In the... Rumors going in and the betting odds going in made it seem like they were leaning towards Roman Reigns winning it, which, you know, I, I actually like Roman more than most people do, but not would not have been popular with the crowd. It's just kind of one of those situations where it's like they've seen it too many times. So I think from the minute he got in the ring, there was just unrest amongst the crowd that oh, this is you know, as much as we want all these different outcomes to happen, they're going to end up screwing us and they're going to force this ending that nobody wants. So at the end of the match, when McIntyre eliminates Reigns to win the Royal Rumble, the place absolutely erupted. And nobody in the entire arena wanted to see Reigns win except one person. <laughs> yeah, And that person yeah. was a young person. Yeah, <laughs> and they happen to be sitting directly in front of the biggest Drew McIntyre fan in the entire arena, Glenn Three Underscore Eleven, <laughs> who had at this that... point put his foot on this child's seat 
extended his arms as wide as possible and was letting out a primal scream that drove this child to fits of tears. Unfortunately, she started crying. <laughs> Her mom was okay with it, though. She was, uh, we were just having fun. So uh, she consoled her child. And I, and I told her this is what she did this to herself on her way out. But yeah, I, I think I was at the end when it's just Roman and Drew. Um, you know, and they book this very well and the spots are very well done. But when Roman has Drew kind of hanging over the ropes and it's one move away from him, him going over and being out, I am screaming just no, 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 like at the top of my lungs over and over. And so when he gets out of that and then Claymore's him and throws him out, I mean, just pure elation <laughs> for those for those however many seconds there. That yes, included my poor attempt at recreating the McIntyre like growl when he stands up in the corner before a match. <laughs> Can't quite do it, but so we oh, walk. Hey, I'd we, had a few in me, so yeah, a few. We walk out of Minute Maid Park. Hold on, first on we gotta high. we gotta do two things real quick. One to get to the great McIntyre win, we skipped over the. Return of Edge, which is one of the loudest crowds you, I've ever heard. Do you think Insane. that it was because I think it was louder when Edge came out than it was when McIntyre won? Oh but yeah, I think I that was, was the surprised. loudest, the loudest concentrated moment of the night was when his Ed, the Edge music hit and nobody was expecting it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. But like you said, we were all elated. The biggest McIntyre fan, Glenn, saw McIntyre win. My Bovada account has zeros on it that I can't even count due to my foresight that he was going to win and pick it up, Tommy. So we, we're, we're definitely ready to keep the party going, but we don't want to go back to our hotel because we're concerned the water may still be off. <laughs> and gauging on the interest level last night, we're not feeling very positive that there's going to be too many WWE superstars that show up in the bar. So or right free. next to the park, there's a very nice Weston hotel that looked to have a pretty lively bar. And we thought this, if there's going to be a place where Becky Lynch is going to limp into, this is the place. So we're going here. And it was high class. It was. Very high end. Um, sort of somber at the bars. All the TVs are just showing repeated... <laughs> Kobe Bryant montages and, and footage. Again, kind of killing our vibe a little bit. And everybody Better. in the bar could see that, except two guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we got presented with the most Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm situation I've ever been a part of. We're at our table, and here comes two blind guys. And I'm not talking about guys that couldn't see well, partially blind, legally blind. These guys had the sticks and the sunglasses, and they weren't faking it. They were bumping into stuff. The second blind guy, now the irony is here is the first blind guy is leading the second blind guy, and there's a, a saying that they made about that. I 
don't remember what it is off the top of my head. You can look up Matthew fifteen fourteen if you want to see that saying. The blind leading the blind. Indeed. Yeah, this this is like the double BL at the beginning of both of those words. To <laughs> yeah, be very literal. Let's put it this way: these were the street prophets of blind guys. It was Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder. So the second blind guy is engaged in what can only be described as a heated phone conversation with what sounds to be uh, a cab driver that they've arranged to pick him up. But it sounded like that the cab driver was circling around the hotel. The blind guys needed the cab driver to park the cab, come up the steps and help lead them to the car. Uh, And he's becoming quite animated. Well, while they're walking, they essentially walk right into our table. So this blind gentleman who's shouting on the phone, is now standing just mere feet away from my son, who he has no ideas there. He does, probably doesn't even realize he's standing in the middle of a restaurant. And he's using some quite colorful language to express his displeasure with the cab company, including the line, I'm effing legally blind. You're going to have to effing get out of your cab. And it's at this point, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Because as a father, I'm not particularly keen on anyone using that type of language in public, much less in front of my son, who is not exposed to that type of dialogue on a regular basis. Only when dad's been drinking or (laughs) the cowboys aren't playing well. But at the same time, I feel like if I raise my voice to this blind gentleman, I may startle him so bad that he throws the stick up in the air because I don't think he has any idea there's any other people around him. So and what do you do in this situation? He clearly doesn't know he's l- like bumping into the chair of a small child. I think no, that was he the has only no time idea. during the weekend that that son of Tommy wasn't smiling. He was kind of confused, like, I'm not sure what to do in this moment. So we don't, uh, we don't confront the blind man, which again, probably in hindsight, the right decision. He then turns around and walks directly into another table where the guy's having to basically like move his plates and stuff out of the way so that he doesn't get his hands in them. <laughs> Never realizes there's people sitting at that table. And then ultimately we see him pacing around outside the building the rest of the, rest of the time where they're having our meal. When he was swearing in front of uh, Tommy Jr., did... I'm not saying it's right, but did the thought cross your mind of how easy it would be to RKO this guy? Because there's an RKO out of nowhere, and then there's an RKO that you don't even see coming, and he wasn't (laughs) going to see this one coming. Not a chance. Wow. And they hung around for a while. Even yeah, after he did. you guys he, left. He didn't, he didn't make it easy on us. And we, we hung out. I uh, enjoyed my first Gin Ricky because at this point I'm on, I'm on Team Gin Ricky. Ordered some food. It becomes apparent to me at some point there's not going to be any superstars joining us. And then my son, similar to the night before, it looks at me and is like, I think we need to go. So I'm out again. So I don't even know what happened after I left. We well, uh, shut it down. Yeah, well, yeah, but to my point, the the city was shutting down like at midnight. That's very strange. After this huge event, very but, strange. But the uh, 
Angelo Dawkins of the Blind Street Prophets was actually he wasn't there. He was just outside for like a good half hour after you all left. Oh my god. Until some sort of metro transit bus or some such came and got him. And they did walk out of the vehicle and help him help him to it. But he was clearly uh the face of that tag team and not the heel. <laughs> He was pretty much just going along with whatever he needed to do. The other guy, I picture the other guy still just walking down, you know, Highway 59 somewhere, having no idea that cars are all around him. Did anything anything else of note happen that night? Uh, We drank a unruly number of gin rickies and then uh when they told us there was no more drinks to be served we went on back to the hotel when we got there the hotel bar was obviously closed <laughs> yeah that that was probably the dumbest moment of the of the whole trip was the small slim hope that we had that the cambria hotel bar would have been open later on this night after the Westin had already closed after midnight. And there's like, there was barely even anyone working the front desk 